Hello, hello, my fellow podcast people. I hope you're doing very, very well on this fine Thursday afternoon or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you're listening to this podcast episode. I'm your host, as per usual, Azrin the Language Nerd. You can find me primarily on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube, but also secondarily whenever I feel like posting on TikTok and on Tumblr. My username in all these platforms is exactly the same. It is at polyglotazrin. That is spelled P-O-L-Y-G-L-O-T. AZ or Z, depending on your country, R E N. And welcome to another podcast episode. I'm very, very excited, as per usual, to be recording this one here. First and foremost, the thing I want to share with you on the podcast today is around sleep. As you guys know, I've said it various times, I, for the past couple years, have been incredibly focused on making sure that I get between seven and eight hours of sleep every single night. Usually, I tend to get about seven and a half to eight hours. That tends to be kind of the range of the amount of sleep I get. That being said, the past, I would say three, four days, I've been consistently, I've been consistently getting seven hours of sleep. And it's interesting to me how that slight reduction for a few days in a row has been affecting my energy levels upon waking up. I, upon waking up every morning, have actually been feeling a little bit more tired than usual with only this with only the slightest reduction of sleep. And that is not something I had really thought about before. I didn't think that the difference between seven and seven and a half hours would be felt. Because between seven and a half and eight hours, I don't know if I really notice a big difference or not. So it was an interesting phenomenon. I've got to figure out, uh, not figure out, I've got to be disciplined moving forward to make sure that I'm getting the seven and a half to eight hours and not seven. You know, the occasional seven hours is okay, but it can't be like consistently every single night. That's something that's on my mind this morning. Additionally, related to sleep, I was thinking about sleep quality as well, because there are days where I get a good amount of sleep, eight hours, seven and a half hours, and I wake up the next morning and I feel great. There are other days where I get seven and a half hours, eight hours of sleep, and I wake up the next morning feeling good, but I definitely notice that, huh, I'm a little bit more tired today. And on those days where I feel slightly more tired, I can almost always think back and remember a couple of times in the night where maybe I was tossing and turning, maybe I woke up randomly for some reason and then went back to sleep. So there's days where I'm getting a better quality of sleep than others. I don't know why. I'm not sure what the connection is. I think this is an area of the brain or of science or whatnot that I'm not overly educated about. And it's probably worth me going out and learning something about it so I can go and make and be consistent with the quality of sleep that I'm getting as well and not just the quantity. Another thing on my mind uh, on my mind today is more work related. So uh, today's Thursday, as you guys know, and tomorrow and Saturday, I've got some different work things going on, which are going to be really exciting. First of all, tomorrow evening, probably around like 7, 8 p.m., somewhere around there, I'm going to be checking out a new pub. Yesterday, or not yesterday, uh, two days ago, I received a message from a pub owner, and he invited me to check out his pub so that we can host some of my language learning events at his, at his pub. I said yes for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think, I'm not sure, but I think he might be Chinese based on the way he types in English. 
like the the way he structures his sentences has a very Chinese grammar feel to it. And I was like, well, if he's Chinese, this could be a great way for me to make another Chinese friend and, or rather, yes, another Chinese friend. I have a few others, but I, I expand more into Chinese circles and get, um, and, and essentially put myself in places and opportunities to get additional practice. And by the way, this is a, a good tangent to go on and a good learning point to point out for the audience. I highly recommend you take advantage of the opportunities that land on your plate. When there is something that shows up in your world that you can squeeze, that you can use to potentially make progress in another language, you have to take that opportunity. Equally importantly, you have to be keeping an eye out for those opportunities. I think a lot of people, for whatever reason, um, they're not necessarily looking out for those opportunities. And I just recommend that you do that. It's gonna help you a lot. So back to my story. So that was one big reason as to why I wanted to, I want to go check out his pub. Second of all, I, it's, it's, it's a slight nuance, but he has invited me to his pub versus me calling him. Let me say that again, nice and slow. He has invited me and asking me to host events at his place and I'm not the one who called him. It's a slight distinction, but it's an important one. Normally, when I host my events, I am the one who calls a bar or a pub or a coffee shop or a whatever, and I'm the one saying, hey, I need a place to do blah, 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 blah event. Can you help us? And they are now in the position to say yes or no. In this case, he has invited me and I am in the position to say yes or no. It's a slight thing, but there's a different dynamic. The person who is asking, in my experience, if you are asking for something, and this is not language related, but just life related. If you're asking for something, the other person, I mean, how do I explain this? The other person almost has a little bit more power, if that makes sense. It sounds really like, maybe it sounds cynical and maybe it sounds like a little bit of a of a negative way to view it or a very unhealthy way i'm not really sure what the right word is i can feel how some people might be thinking azrin what are you talking about this power thing but it's the truth when you're asking for something the other person has more power when you're being asked for something you have a little bit more leverage or power in that situation and so i I'm going to be taking this meeting because there are things that I want out of venues, out of event hosting places. And I like the fact that at this time, at this event or this meeting I'll be going to, I'm the one who can say, hey man, if we're coming here, I'm going to need blah, 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 blah. Right now, the places I, I use venue wise are awesome, by the way. They're great. They're amazing. I love it. It's like, yeah, awesome, fantastic but there are certain things that are not ideal about those venues. And if I can have a separate venue that we use in addition to my current venues, event-wise, maybe I can structure the deal or structure things differently with the new venue to eliminate some of the weaknesses or some of the things I'm not happy about or that are not ideal at the current venues that we use. And that's gonna just be a big win. Additionally, this is completely unrelated, but his location is somewhere slightly different in the city. It's still central, still a good area, still blah, 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 blah. But I think if we can get 
that like a different location for some events it's gonna open it's gonna make it easier for another type of crowd to attend if that makes sense so i'm excited about that currently i'm pretty i'm pretty focused on expanding my local reach and expanding myself locally and the way I'm choosing to do that is language learning events, getting language learners together, building community, creating community. That's the approach I'm choosing to use. And it brings about a bit of an interesting question, which uh, I'm, I'm asked a lot or frequently enough, which is Azrin, why are you choosing to grow in the way that you're choosing to grow? In other words, why are you trying to host all these local events and get people at events and events that are, by the way, free or like almost free. Like there's one particular event I host that costs <clears throat> $5 a head, but either 100% or maybe 50% of the money goes to just the facility that we use. If it's a really small event, I just give all the money to the facility to like for the room booking. If there's like a lot of people that come, they've, you know, I basically have 50%. That's kind of the deal we, we have per se. Um, but essentially they're free or extremely low cost events. So people are like, you're not making money out of it. It's a significant portion of your time. Like you don't even sell, you rarely ask your audience or your community for anything. Like what the heck is going on? And, and actually by extension, my online content is very similar. I put a lot of effort into the online content. I'm engaging, I answer all the comments, I make content for you guys, I, I, I almost never ask for anything, blah, 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 blah. But it's all a big, it's kind of like, I'm just playing a long game is, is essentially it. I'm playing a long game. I don't need, I, how do I say this? I don't want to be extracting value and asking, 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 all asking for money, asking for you to buy things all early on and consistently doing that because eventually you'll stop listening. You'll tune me out. You just will. Think about all of you follow someone. I, I'm, I guarantee it. All of you follow someone that is consistently asking for stuff. Subscribe to this. Follow this. Buy this. Help me with this project. Buy my merch. I did this. Blah, 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 blah. And they're all, they're doing it so much where it's kind of annoying, if you might, you might say. And you kind of tune that out. It doesn't land on you anymore. And so I'm just super cautious. I want to be mindful of when I ask for things, who I ask them from, because I'm playing a long game. I want to maintain the relationship with you guys for a long time. And when I ask for things, I want them to convert. Like I want them, I want you to actually consume the message, hear it and be like, oh yeah, you know what? Azrin's been doing all this content. Azrin's been helping out so much. Azrin's been doing this. You know, he's asking for this thing. I trust him. I like him. Yes, we'll help out. Yes, I'll pay for this. Yes, that sounds like it makes sense. Blah, 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 blah. So all that to say, that's why I choose to, pr I choose to grow in the way that I'm choosing to grow. And last thing I'll say on this topic and then I have other stuff I want to move on to. Um, last thing I'll say on this topic is the way I'm choosing to grow and the way I'm choosing to operate my business and operate things is actually not predicated, not fully put it predicate, predicated on maximizing how much money I make. Not necessarily. There are financial ambitions and financial goals and stuff into it. No doubt about it. Um, but it's not... I'm not making decisions that are going to maximize how much money I make or try and like make money faster. Not necessarily, not all my decisions. 
Instead, it's based on essentially balancing how can I make the money that I want to make in the way that makes me the happiest. So, for example, at my events, I feel way, I would feel way, okay, this is crazy. I would feel way better about hosting a two hour event that got a hundred people there where nobody paid me a single dime and I even had to pay a little bit of money because I had to buy my own food, I had to buy things, I had to whatever, my gas to get there and all that, right? I would much prefer that than I would an event with 20 people where I made 150 bucks on the night. Isn't that crazy? Like, I, it makes me happier to have that 100 people there and I feel better about it and I like it than I would the 20 people and 150 bucks. So I value, to a certain degree, I value the audience and I value, it makes me happier to have all the people there. And I know that when stuff is free, more, I can get more people through the door, right? <laughs> and so it just makes me happier as well. So it's about, yes, the money equation, which I am playing that game. And there's no question, like I have bills to pay, I have financial ambitions, I'm saving for things. And like, like for sure, I make financial decisions all the time, but I'm also making it like decisions that are purely, or that are more heavily based on, I want to, I want to do it this way because it's going to make me happy. <laughs> and yeah, just a really big thing that, that I'm focused on. Now, let's go into some language learning topics. So the first thing I want to talk about language learning wise here is uh, based upon a, uh, a comment that I saw on my YouTube channel, something I haven't talked about in a while and I thought it'd be worth clearing up in case there's new listeners or people who haven't heard this part of my story recently, which is uh, the languages I speak and what levels I currently have. So very quickly, I speak English, French, and Spanish very, very fluently. Uh, almost an equal kind of fluency level. I speak Gujarati, I would say at a, at a mid-intermediate to upper-intermediate, somewhere in that range. Gujarati is a language from India. It is also my heritage language, like my, my, my mother tongue, I guess you could say. So that's my fourth language. Next down the line is Mandarin, which I have, I would say, like a low to mid-intermediate level in. And then I have extremely basic Hindi. So those are the six languages. I want to, in the future, add two more languages to the list. I want to add Russian and I want to add Arabic. And ultimately, the lofty goal, or rather the first cut goal, the thing that I'm really aiming towards, is trying to see, <clears throat> excuse me, if I can get to an advanced level in all of those eight languages in the next 20 years, or rather 19 years, since I'm now 26 years old. <laughs> so that's something I want to talk about because it's obviously something I've not mentioned in quite some time. And I realize that there are new podcast listeners and such who have come across this. Um, another thing I want to talk about here when it comes to, to language learning has to do around, uh, around thinking in another language. Now I was reading, uh, through Ollie. So Ollie Richards, if you guys know who he is, he's a, a YouTuber and podcaster about um, different languages and language learning topics. He posted a video not that long ago. I was reading through some of the comments um, while I was playing, while the video was playing and whatnot. And I saw someone post something and he was asking like, uh, how did he phrase it? He basically said, hey, do you think it's worth trying or practicing to think in another language? And this question got me thinking because me, when I speak in French, when I speak in Spanish, when I speak in English, when I speak in Mandarin, in Gujarati, I, generally speaking, think in the language I'm speaking in. 
okay? And actually, let's take a step back. That's always how I phrased it. I've always phrased it as, I think in the language I'm speaking in. If I speak in English, I think in English. If I speak in Spanish, I think in Spanish. If I think in French, I think in French, etc., 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 etc. I've always phrased it that way, but I want to take a step back and I want to reword this because I think we're, we're reviewing this as language learners in a completely wrong light. I think we're, we're completely misconstruing what it means to think in another language. And this is just based on my experience, but I have a weird suspicion that anyone who says they think in the language they speak, it's the same concept of what I'm about to spit out of my mouth right now. So here's the thing. The misconception is that people think, oh, when I'm thinking in French or when I'm speaking French or, 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 or Samoan or blah, 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 blah language, when I'm speaking that language in my brain, I have to, I have to like make this effort to, to make the words appear in that language versus in English or, or whatever. That's often how people are thinking about it, right? But what's actually happening has more to do with, I'm gonna call habits, and I'm gonna call a memory-based memory. Let me explain. When I speak in French and Spanish, Mandarin, Gujarati, there are a lot of situations where I have either A, heard people communicate in that situation a million times, or B, I have been in that situation a million times, and suddenly for me to communicate in that situation is automatic. So a good example is hi, the conversation of hi, how are you? When I see someone in English and I say, hey, how's it going? Hey, how are you? Hey, what's new? And I go, oh, not much. How about you? What's going on? Oh, things are going well. That initial exchange in English, in French, in Spanish, etc., etc. I've done that exchange so many times that it's just automatic. It's habitual. I've seen people do it. I know every variation of how that initial seven seconds of a conversation can go. For instance, in English, someone might say, how's it going? Someone might say, how are you? Someone might say, what's up? Someone, someone, someone might say, what's happening? Someone might, like I've heard every variation. I know that if someone says, what's up? I'm probably gonna say, not much. Or I'm probably gonna say, whatever. Or someone goes, hey, how's it going? I'm not gonna say not much. I know that I have to say, oh, it's going good. Or it's going well. I'm doing good. I know the, I know every variation of that first seven seconds because I've done it so many times. I've heard it so many times. I've seen it so many times. And so, in that scenario, I don't, I think arguably, I'm not thinking in the language I'm speaking in. I'm just, it's just a knee jerk reaction. It's just coming out of my mouth because I have such a habit that's built up. Does that make sense? And so a lot of my French and Spanish and English and such, where I in the past have said that I'm thinking in that language, it actually has more to do with, I've built a habit of being able to communicate in thousands thousands of social situ social scenarios. Like, if someone goes, it's almost like, okay, let me try and articulate this. It's almost like the different things that happen in our life, in our lives, everything, eating breakfast, waking up, the feeling of when the alarm rings, every minute detail that happens in life falls into a finite number, a limited number of buckets, of scenarios. Each bucket or each scenario requires us to act in a different way. So for example, whether someone is yelling at, for this is a good example. 
whether someone's yelling at you about, you know, spilling milk on the floor and not cleaning it up, or they're yelling at you because you forgot to show up at some event that you said you'd show up at, the emotion of anger connects those two scenarios, which means that you are going to have to use a specific branch of language to abate or to reduce someone's anger. And if you've been in the situation of reducing someone's anger enough, you're not going to have to think too much about the words. It's going to be a knee-jerk reaction, an automatic reaction of communicating in a way that hopefully reduces their anger. Does that make sense? And so I think when it comes to thinking in another language, it's less to do with practice. I mean, it's less to do with you making a conscious effort to think in the language. And it's more an effort of creating, it's more something around habit creation, which simply comes over time and practice and, and, and applying your knowledge, making mistakes, observing people speak, having a lot of comprehensible input, etc. It's just about building those habits so that when you're in that scenario, your brain just knows what to say in blah, 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 blah language because you've seen it so many times, you've said it so many times, you've heard it so many times, you've read it so many times, etc connected to this here, and this is what I was saying before, I think there's memories of memories. You see, I've talked about this in the podcast and my YouTube and my YouTube channel recently. So, and my Instagram and my, uh, actually, have I talked about Instagram? Anyway, it's not relevant. So, the reality is this. Um, one of the reasons why, man, this is so hard to articulate. Um, so, when I speak in French and Spanish and different languages, as I've said, I previously have said that I think in those languages. I actually don't think that's true. What's actually happening under the hood, if we really dig deep, is that if you ask me, hey, Azrin, how do you say, um, let me think of an example. Someone asked me, how do you say, um, what's a, oh, grand, what's a great example? Um, okay, I can't think of a real example, but I can create one here. So let's say someone said, Azrin, how do you say cow in Spanish, okay, a cow. The memories, or the way that I learned the word for cow in Spanish is different than how I learned the word cow in French, or that I learned the word cow in Mandarin. I can tell you I remember how I learned cow in Mandarin. I learned the word cow in Mandarin because if you want to say beef in Mandarin, you use the character for cow, and you use the word for cow, and you add addition, you add an additional character after. I'm vegetarian and I don't eat beef. And so I remember the context that I learned the word cow was tied to my vegetarianism and my dietary restrictions. And that's what I taught, that's the memory that is attached to the word cow in Mandarin. The memory attached to the word cow in Spanish is not, has nothing to do with, um, has nothing to do with beef and vegetarianism. It's completely different. It falls into like an animal bucket. I learned the word cow, most likely, I don't remember anymore, but I'm assuming I learned the word cow because I learned it in some school unit or I, whatever memories in there, I have some abstract memory I can't pinpoint, but it's different than Mandarin. So when you ask me, hey, Azrin, if you ask me in English, Azrin, how do you say cow in Spanish? It's difficult for me to actually make the translation because in my mind, the English memory for how I know the word cow is what I start to think of. I go, oh, what's that scenario? And I put myself in that English scenario where I learned the word cow unconsciously. But here's the thing. I didn't have that scenario in Spanish. 
the Spanish Azarin didn't live that experience to learn Cal. And so Spanish Azarin is living in English Azarin's world, living in the English Azarin's version of learning the word cow, and, and Spanish Azarin's like, hmm, what would I say in this scenario? And so for me to make the translation, if you get the word cow, you know, I have to go, okay, Spanish Azarin, you're, think of this, think of the picture of cow. What do you call this? Or think of the, this abstract concept of cow. What is that called? And the Spanish has go, oh, that's like blah, 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 blah. I remember I went on the farm and I saw that cow and blah, blah, blah. Oh, that, that's vaca. Oh, okay, I got it. Does that make sense? So I hope I was articulate with this, but it's not that I'm thinking like word per word in Spanish or French or Mandarin. It's more that when I'm speaking in Mandarin, I'm using my Mandarin memories to fuel my Mandarin speaking and my Mandarin communication skills. When I'm speaking in French, I'm using all my French memories to fuel the French conversation. When I'm in Spanish, all the Spanish memories is fueling the Spanish conversation. And so for me, and actually for many people, one of the big things that helps me to think in another language has to do with having a variety of experiences, memorable experiences in the language that I am trying in the language that I am trying to learn or that I'm learning. So whether that experience be, it can happen in many ways. I get a lot of travel experiences, but even things like in Spanish, I took high school Spanish where we had a class, right? There's so many funny memories from that class that I now associate, I'm sure unconsciously to a lot of the words I know. I remember this song that we wrote, me and like, we had a group project. My one friend is a musician. I played the trumpet for part of the song is like a mariachi project, right? <clears throat> I played the trumpet for part of it and we like wrote this song and it was like this thing we performed and it was like hilarious. It was such a funny little like memory, <laughs> right? And there were words in that song like pelo, hair. So when I think of hair, now it's not conscious, but I'm sure unconsciously my brain is pulling that memory of high school Spanish of pelo in that song, right? along with millions or thousands of other little tiny unconscious memories. And that's what allows me to say, oh, pelo, es pelo, es pelo, that's pelo, right? That's not hair, that's pelo, right? But if I'm speaking English, you know, I have different memories with hair. I remember I used to like pull my mom's hair when I was a kid, I like enjoyed pulling it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and playing with it, like that's something I liked or like my own hair when I was a kid, I used to hold my own hair to uh, as like a comforter, the same way like some people hold teddy bears, I'd hold my hair sometimes. Um, and that was, that's like a memory I'm sure is unconsciously in my brain. So for me to say the word hair in English, it's coming from a very different place than saying the word hair in Spanish or in Mandarin or in whatever, right? And so that's really where that ability to, um, to communicate automatically comes from. It's the memorable experiences that we've had and we have to have so many of them. This is why rote learning and just doing a repetition drill oriented stuff is just not great. You have to be doing different things, different activities, watching dramas, trying this. You have to, it's a living and breathing process to learn a language, to create those memories so it can escape your mouth automatically. Um, it's a big, big, big thing. And I highly recommend you guys think about this. Whew. How long has it been going on? I feel like it's been a longer episode. Let's check the time here. Um, yep, 28 minutes almost. So I hope you guys like that. I hope that was clear and articulate. I think I did a pretty good job. If not, I can definitely 
you know, make a follow-up and clear up some things. I think this is a really powerful and meaningful episode that can help a lot of people. So um, let's wrap this up here. Thank you for your attention. I appreciate it. And we will talk later. Bye for now.